All right, the holidays are around the corner and who better to help us get organized for it than Brooke Romney? I think you're going to learn everything you need to know about the holidays in this episode. Welcome to the Life Organized Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Layton, and as the creator of both the Life Organized Podcast and the Life Organized Membership, I teach busy moms how to get organized, manage their time, and master their mindset. I'm a mom and wife too, so I know how overwhelming it can all be. But living an organized life means you don't have to sacrifice anything. With the right systems and tools, you can get your home and family running like a well-oiled machine and still have time for all the other things you love to do. If you're new here, DM me the word fast on Instagram at jlthehappygal and I will send you my top tips to help you get organized fast. We'll cover clutter, time management, and give you empowering new perspectives that will make organizing your life so much easier. All right, let's jump into today's episode. You know, when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I was thinking, what am I going to title this episode? Is that, you know, I think we'll talk about the holidays and my episodes are always like when you, you know, when you don't know what to do or when you want to procrastinate. And all I could think of is when you get a chance to talk to Brooke Romney, because you have so many amazing things to say. I'm excited to share you with everyone today. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you so people can get to know you if you're new to them. So I'm a writer and I live close by Jenny, which is so fun. And I've got four boys. My oldest one is married. So I have a daughter-in-law and a granddaughter, which is so fun. And then the next one is 18, 16, and 11. And in fact, when you asked me to be on your podcast, I chuckled inside a little bit because one of the things that I am particularly not good at is being organized. And so this will be a good motivation for me to also maybe dig into some things that I need some help with. Um, I am a little more, probably a creative, a little more scattered, but I do feel best when my life also fills in a little bit of organized chaos. Right. Well, I think where we align is we both live our lives with a lot of intention and that's really evident on your website, which I will encourage everybody to check out. You have so many great resources and so many great ideas for teens and just so inspiring. All right. Well, let's dig in. Let's talk about the holidays, first of all, because when this episode publishes, we are going to be stepping into that time of year, which uh, we talk on the podcast all the time about clutter. And there's a lot of different kinds of clutter, obviously, the stuff on your counters, but also in your calendar and in your mind and all the things you need to do. So let's just talk for just a second about why there is so much clutter in the holiday season. How does that show up? And why is the holiday so stressful and overwhelming? I think part of it is that we think that more is better all the time. And I think social media has played into this in in fairly harmless way. Like, I don't think it was intentionally meant to do this. But what happens is you jump online and you see 10 new traditions that someone's family loves. And then you hear about your friend who's doing this fun thing. And then you have someone, you know, marry into your family and, and they love to do these certain things. And so as a mom or the person who's in charge of these traditions, in an effort to make everyone happy and to make the holidays feel magical, often you think it's your duty to include everything and to try every new thing, but to also hold on to all the old things. And 
And not only that, but you have expectations that it's all going to go well. And this can often set people up for failure. Right. And I love that you said social media because I feel like ever since Pinterest showed up, I'm like, what is happening? I can't do all of these things. I'm not the cutesy crafty mom. And so those things always give me a little bit of, I don't know, insecurity that I'm not showing up as a mom the way other kids' moms are. So I think you hit it right on the head with that. So what do we do about that? How do we navigate through all of that? Well, I had an interesting experience. So we used to live away from family. And so I was able to be in pretty much complete control of the holidays. And that was nice on one hand and also really sad on the other one, because it left it up to me to make all of the magic where if you live by family, there's family parties and grandmas are doing things and aunts have fun things to invite you to. Um, So that was really hard. But I also could control all the things that our family was doing. And then we moved close to family. And all of a sudden, my holiday calendar was halfway full without planning anything that we wanted or or loved to do. And so for the first couple of years, what I was trying to do was do everyone else's stuff and then fit still all the same amount of stuff into our holiday season. And it was exhausting for everyone, including my family members. And it made the holidays feel a lot less festive, which is funny because all we were doing was festive things. And then what started to happen was then my kids got older and funny enough, school doesn't stop during the holidays and, you know, sports don't stop during the holidays. And so then we were adding all of regular life into it and work doesn't stop. And, and it just felt very overwhelming. And so one year I decided that what we were going to do was we were going to meet together as a family, um, before Thanksgiving. And we were going to sit down and each person was going to say the thing that they loved most. Like what makes Christmas feel like Christmas to you? And what was really interesting is all these things that I'd been trying to do and try to fit in and make happen. And even things I no longer liked at all, those were not things that my kids even cared about. And I was expending so much emotional and physical energy on making things happen that no one cared about. And so what I decided to do was I would make sure 100% that every person, including me, got the thing that was most important to them in the holidays. So we put those things on our calendar and then we added, I, I love extended family. We have so much fun. My kids love their cousins. So we made sure that we were able to be available and present for those things that were important to us. We put all of their concerts and games on the calendar and just got really realistic about the shift in our holiday and what that was going to look like and feel like. And it was 1000% more enjoyable for all of us. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. You're speaking my language here. This is exactly what we talked about when we talked about decluttering, because all of those extras that you thought were so important, that is calendar clutter. And Mm -hmm. if you look at time, time is a container and those activities we put in that container, fill it up. And when it starts overflowing, that's where you feel that overwhelm and that chaos. And that's what you're talking about is just getting rid of some of that extra clutter. How do we do that without feeling guilty and overwhelmed? I think you talked a little bit about, you know, trimming down to what the family says is important to them. But what if there are listeners that have expectations from family or in-laws to do certain things and it really puts them over the top? Have you had experience with navigating that and how people can do that without feeling like they're disappointing everyone or compromising the kind of holiday they want to have? 
I think it's important for us to be sensitive to that because at some point we're going to be those grandparents whose kids all have their own lives. And we're going to be ones who are hoping to hold on to relationships and traditions. And those things are going to be important to us. And we're going to be have less in our life. And so I think it's important to be sensitive to the generation before us and to the other people in our lives who might not have quite as full of a life as we have. But I think one of the ways that we can do that is to ask what is really important to you. Hey, mom, what, which traditions this Christmas are really important to you? It looks like our family, you know, we've got so much going with games and school and our own things. Which ones do you really want us to make it a priority to be at? And I think that is a kind conversation to let someone know that, that they matter to you. And you're not just saying, these are my boundaries. I don't do anything with anyone else over Christmas. It's how can I make this work for both of us? And then sometimes it's hard, but you know, even saying things like, you know, my kids are getting older and zoo light isn't something that they love. Would you like to come with us to do this activity instead? Um, and maybe zoo lights are something that your teenagers do love too. And so you're going to make that happen. Or sometimes you can combine it with something. Hey, you know, you, I know you love to have us for five or six days during the holidays. Is there any way we could do the sub for Santa shopping and our family Christmas dinner on the same night. Um, it's hard for us to get everyone there, you know, multiple times during the season. I think there's ways to be kind and sensitive and looking forward to the person you might be in the future. Um, and also being able to kind of minimize some of that clutter. Such a great point. It's interesting because my oldest daughter is getting married. And so I'm starting to become more sensitive to how I may have been as a daughter-in-law or what that's like to try to, you know, be in charge of a large extended family. And that sensitivity seems a lot more important now than it ever has before. <laughs> so, but one of the things that I love that you said is just the way that we approach the conversation. And I think to be able to do that, you really want to have, you don't want to feel like that contention in your heart. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm setting my boundaries, you're not going to, you know, push me on this versus if you do approach that, you know, just the, how can we make this work? This is where we're at. I just think that makes all the difference in that execution. So I think that was a really great point. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's definitely tricky to figure out that, and and it's it, it's really hard to go from a family who's always looking for something to do with young children to a family who barely has minutes together. And I think we have to give some grace to, you know, the generation before us as they get used to that too. And so being kind, being gentle, figuring out what can work um, for both of you is really helpful. And being willing to pivot, like you said, on those family traditions, that they don't have to look exactly the same way. They can still have some of the same elements, but we just are going to make this conscious decision that now it's going to look like this and it's still checking that same box. It's just a lot more realistic for the stage of our family. Yeah. Well, and so, I think so good. too, in addition to that, if you are someone who is maybe like the matriarch of your family, um, realizing that everyone doesn't have to come to make it a worthwhile activity. So if you're, you know, if you have some little grandkids and some big grandkids, it's okay to still do zoo light with the little ones and and fully engage and enjoy that time still. I think even as a parent of teenagers, sometimes you think, oh, this tradition isn't worth it if everyone can't be there. Well, then that just means you barely have anything going in, right. in your December because someone's gonna be gone and someone has a dance and someone's got a game and somebody has to work. And so getting used to the idea of I'm going to do some things that I love because I love them 
And I'm grateful for whoever can make it and be there and make it special with me. And then when you're there, giving full attention and gratitude to the people who are there instead of being bitter about those who couldn't come or, mm-hmm. or didn't come or wouldn't come. You know, mm-hmm. I think we can do a lot for ourselves and our own enjoyment when we say, I'm, I'm here, I'm present. I'm so glad for the people that are here. And I'm not sitting there saying, well, this would have been so much more fun if everyone else could be here or they're really missing out or how come this person never comes anymore? Really just focusing on the people that are there and enjoying that moment with them. And what's so interesting is that when you have that type of a response, you're so much more enjoyable to be around. You know, you kind of attract your family to you versus they can feel kind of that negativity and that frustration. And so, you know, it that makes a difference. It kind of accumulates over time. So I think that's really important. And I've heard you say a few times um, something that makes me just think that communication is so important. You mentioned a family meeting at the beginning of the season to sit down with your family and talk to them. And then that open communication with extended family on how to manage that. And I think that is a really important piece. In fact, even communication with yourself. One of the things you said earlier that I thought was interesting is uh, everyone gets something that they love, including me. And I wanted to just high five you when you said that, because one of the things I hear from followers and from students and clients is it's not very fair. I work so hard to give everyone this amazing holiday and I do all the work and they get to sit back and enjoy. And I think, okay, we've got something a little out of balance here if that's what we're experiencing. So I would love to hear a little more about, you know, what that's looked like for you creating a holiday that includes what you love, whether that's traditional holiday stuff, or sometimes I think even like go get a massage (laughs) after shopping, if that's what you want to look forward to in the holiday season. I don't know. You want to add anything to that about self-care or making the holiday special for you? Yes, I feel really strongly. um, So I have four boys, like I said, which means a lot of my life is fairly boy centric. So we do things the boys like to do. And I actually love all of those things too. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to live a very like active and sport-centered life. Um, But one of the things that I realized that I had to do sometimes was to let them know, I do your thing. Like I'm going to do the things that are important to you for the majority of the Christmas season. And we are singing singing at a rest home and you're putting on a Christmas sweater and we're doing it. (laughs) And like we do it every year. And I don't really, it doesn't matter to me if they're like, this is my favorite tradition. It's my favorite tradition. I love doing it. It's what we do every Christmas Eve and they come. And I think it's important in a family to understand that we all give and we all take. And sometimes we're doing what one person loves and sometimes we're doing what another person loves. And that includes the parents of the family. Um, it's, it includes the mom. It includes the dad. Um, that, that That's what a family is all about. And I'm not just here to like put on this Christmas show for everyone. And I've gotten really good also as we go down the traditions. Um, I have X some of them that I really don't enjoy doing. They're not fun for me anymore at all. And I can put those out. And then I want to make sure that I'm fully present during the tradition. So I, one of the things I say is I am not the orchestrator of traditions. I am a part of the Christmas celebration. So if that means that we use paper plates, it means that we use paper plates so that I'm not worried about the dinner cleanup. Sometimes I love making the food that everyone wants. And that actually is joyful to me. So sometimes my husband's like, oh my gosh, you spent so much time in the kitchen. Like, why would you want to do that? I was like, that's actually joyful for me. I love doing it. 
Um, the other things that I found is I really love going to certain things during Christmas. So I love going to the Nutcracker. For a while, I would have my boys come. And it's just not something that's worth that card for me. Like there's other things I would rather use that card for. So it's okay if I just bring one of my boys who has a friend who's in the Nutcracker that he wants to go see. It's okay if I go with the girls from my neighborhood to go watch their daughter be in the Nutcracker. I don't have to make everything this huge family event. If there's things that I love and that I enjoy, I try to fit them in. Sometimes I require the family to do it with me. And sometimes it's even just with my husband. Like, hey, everyone's kind of over this, but I really love this certain concert. I'm going to go. Want to come. And and I think for a long time, I just thought that Christmas was only Christmas if everyone was together the whole time. And now I realize I find a lot of fun and joy in Christmas. And I want to make sure I'm holding on to those things. And now that I have a grandbaby, I get to do that again and expose her to some of those things that still bring me joy that some of my teenagers are like, sorry, I've got practice or I've got to work and I'm not getting work off to go to the Nutcracker. So, right. Well, and one of the things I think will happen is, is they see that happening with the grandbaby and soon their kids, they're going to be engaged in a whole new way and kind of renew that interest. So that's a fun thing to look forward to. And I bet your sons were praising the day when you said, Hey, you don't need to come to the Nutcracker this year. I'd (laughs) love to have been a fly on the wall during that conversation. (laughs) Yes. We're done with that tradition. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Um, One of the sayings that we have um, in the podcast and at the Happy Gal is it doesn't have to look a certain way. And I just hear that ringing through everything you're saying is that the holidays don't have to look a certain way and be willing to evolve with your family, with your needs. And certainly um, don't make it have to look like using those dishes that take forever to wash and being really aware of when you start to feel that resentment build up or that overwhelm or that dread, those are smoke signals or smoke signs. What is it? Smoke, smoke alarm yeah, signals. I, the word. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Those are smoke alarms that something's happening that's not aligned with what's, you know, in the best interest of you and really everyone. So, you know, be, have the courage to, to shift that. Well, and I think if you ask your kids, if they would prefer like a, a holiday full of sparkle and all the things with a mad mom or an enjoyable holiday that was a little more low key with a happy mom, they're going to choose happy mom every time. And that's one of the things that I realize is sometimes our best intentions end up creating an experience that we weren't planning on. Um, Just because like you said, like when that resentment builds up, when you feel like no one cares, when you feel like no one is grateful, um, that makes it a lot less fun, which makes you a lot less fun, which makes the experience a lot less fun, which makes people say, I don't even like holidays. I don't even like traditions. I don't even like, you know, fill in the blank. And that is kind of sad because all that effort is for naught. So sad. So sad. And on the flip side, sometimes those spontaneous moments that you didn't even plan are the ones that end up being the highlight of the season. I've had similar conversations with my family that you mentioned earlier in a family meeting and asked the kids, all right, what do you want to do? What's been the most important thing? And I'm thinking it was that big production we went to or that party that was really involved. And I'm shocked at how often it's something like, I just love sitting by the Christmas tree at night and reading a Christmas story or singing a Christmas song. Now I have a lot of girls, so that's maybe different than what (laughs) your boys would say, but it is kind of those spontaneous low-key moments where magic can happen. So let's open up some space for that and not stress ourselves out and thinking it has to look a certain way. Well, I I have an experience that's very different, but very similar to that. So 
one year, um, my husband bought tickets to a college basketball game during December. And it was like the rival colleges were playing. And he told me that he bought tickets for our family. And I was so mad. I'm like, on a weekend in December? Like, why would you do that? That's absolutely ridiculous. Like, there's nothing festive. Like, we're going to miss, we won't be able to go see this. And we won't be able to go do that. And we only have so many weekends in December. I was so mad. And um, I went mad and, you know, got over it during the long drive to the basketball game. And keep in mind, I have four boys. They were over the moon. It was the highlight of their December. We went down, we stopped, we ate at a barbecue spot. We went to the game and then it started snowing on our way out and they were gleeful. They were running and sliding and like, it was so fun. And I was like, oh, so this is what Christmas feels like. Like this mm. like family and being together and enjoying a memory with each other and, you know, feeling like kids in the snow, sometimes it's going to look a little different. And had I chosen to stay like mad and bitter about that, I might have missed the joy that came from doing something that wasn't on the calendar and in the plans and Christmassy in December. Mm, I That's a beautiful story. And when you had that moment of realization, oh, this is what Christmas feels like, that really can only happen in the moment. We can try to like manufacture that. But what you were talking about is a true gift from being present and being open to it looking differently. And in the podcast, we have this tradition of saying, what's the so what moment we've taught? And we're getting, we'll we'll come back to this because I'm not ready to be done talking to you. But I think this is a great so what moment is we've talked about all of this. So what? What does this mean we're going to do about it? And I think just if there's even one single takeaway, what is your moment this season that's going to be like this right here? This is Christmas. That's going to sustain you and give you something to look back on and treasure, I think, for this particular holiday season. So I love that. That's a, that's a great example. Thank you. So anything else you want to say holiday related? Anything you think listeners could benefit from? I think the the other thing that happens when you hear one of your kids or your husband say something that matters to them, it allows me to love it too. So I really just like want to put a plug in for that is that maybe something that you didn't love before, you might be able to love. So let's say gingerbread houses aren't your favorite, but it's your daughter's favorite Christmas experience. Well, then all of a sudden the gingerbread house time and the mess that comes from it and the fact that it's so much candy, all those things, you're not thinking about the negative. You're looking at your daughter and saying like, this is so fun. This is her favorite Christmas memory. So just a, a plug to remind yourself that when you ask and when you know, that also allows you instead of to instead of being resentful or figuring out how can I get out of this or how can we make this less it allows you to be fully present because it matters so much to someone that you love. And you're focusing on that instead of all of the work or the pieces that you don't like, which I think is important. And it points back to that point we made earlier about communication and how important that is when you do know and you've got that visibility, it does change an experience, which I think is great because this audience of this podcast is all about living an intentional life and, you know, creating order. And so I think that open communication just helps you do that. It just helps you bring intention to the holiday season in general and those traditions in particular. And so that makes for a lot more joyous season. 
Wonderful. Okay. So we can't only talk about holidays with you. Oh, but before we, well, we'll come back to holidays because you've got a little, a fun giveaway that, well, a resource that we'll share by the time before we're done. So we will come back to holidays for just a minute, but while we have you, you are the teen expert. You have all of these fun ideas for how to engage with your teens and have good relationships with them and everything else. And so, I mean, we have to talk about it while you're here. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> <laughs> so what else What else can we learn from you, Brooke? So one of the things that I just love to remind parents is that it's never too late to be the parent that you want to be. Um, I think sometimes with teens, there are some teens that are absolutely easy and wonderful and some teens that are a little bit prickly. And and then sometimes as a parent, you're trying to figure it out too. And I like to remind my kids, this is the first time that I'm parenting you in these teen years. And I'm trying to figure this out too. And I think just reminding yourself that there's always opportunities to be more of the parent that you want to be. And so if you kids always want relationships with their parents. It doesn't matter how old they are. They want their parents to love them, approve of them, be happy for them, all those things. And so as you approach your relationship with your teens, remembering that and whatever is kind of off with them, there is a way to make it better. There's not ways to make it perfect, but there's ways to make it better. And one of the ways that I think is so incredibly helpful is to ask your teen, hey, I feel like our relationship is off right now. Am I doing something that's driving you crazy? What could I do to be better? Um, inviting them into your life, letting them know that they're wanted, that they're someone that you enjoy. Um, it's really hard to for teenagers to be excited about parents who only see the negative of them right. or who are always talking about the negatives. I think most parents see the positives too, but sometimes um, because we have limited interaction with them, or we are trying to teach them lessons or make them into better people. And we feel very serious about that. Sometimes we forget to tell them how great they are and the goodness we see in them. And we forget to build them up. Um, we forget that sometimes during a school day, like they might not have anyone say one nice thing to them for a whole day. And then they walk through the door and they're greeted by like, how come your shoes are still right here? Why didn't you get that homework assignment turned in? And I'm not saying those things can't be said. Those things should be said. You know, kids should help around the house and kids should feel responsible for their schoolwork. Um, but balancing that with also, you know, I'm so glad you're home. Mm. Tell me about your day. Or um, it was so fun to watch that series with you last night. Do you want to watch that again tonight? Or you know, you, wow, like it's really late. You have been working so hard at your job. You know, can I get you some dinner instead of, I thought you got off at eight. There's lots of different ways that we can improve our relationships. And, you know, I just think the first step is trying to balance those negative and positive interactions. Um, because as parents, we are going to have some negative interactions. We are tasked with teaching our kids, with helping them become functioning adults, which doesn't happen with no expectations, um, but also realizing it's not one or the other. There's mm. plenty of room for us to be both people to our kids. And if we think about the people that are most influential in our lives, it's often the people that have built us up and have also taught us lessons that we need to learn to be the people that we really want to be. 
You know, it's so interesting because having teenagers, you hear about it when you have younger kids and you think, oh man, this tidal wave is coming and it gets a bad rap. I remember at one point, somebody said to me when I just had little kids, I think I was saying like, oh, this is a little rough. I'm not sleeping. It's so demanding. And they're like, oh, you just wait. You wait until you get teenagers. It gets so much worse. They are so hard. And I listened to that and thought, no, I have so much of my life that I'm going to be having teenagers that I I will not bring that into raising teenagers. And I didn't know how I would do it or what it would look like, but there was just this really clear intent that I was going to love that time with them. And it's been lucky that I have. Now we go through hard things and as kids get bigger, so do their problems. So I think all of that, everyone's in a different space. And I know that's not always the story, but as you're talking about being more positive with them and just thinking about the energy you're bringing into parenting teens, I love all of the suggestions you're giving because I think it really supports that idea of, I want to build them up and I want to have a good relationship with them. And I think you look what you find what you're looking for. And so as you're thinking about being more positive with your kids, this is so interesting because we talk about a lot of good habits on the podcast. You know, I'm going to work out or I'm going to clean up or I'm going to make sure I do my dishes or like whatever it is. And you get to the end of the day and you're like, I just didn't ever do that. <laughs> I had the intention right. and I yes. didn't follow through. And so something like being more positive with my kids, I think sounds like a good idea. But what in your experience has helped you or other people you coach or work with follow through with being more positive? What are some concrete ways that we can do that? So there's a couple of thoughts and it just kind of depends on what works for a specific person. But um, there's research that says we should have eight positives to every one negative. So if you can like keep your own little tally on your phone or on your fingers, like, did I say eight positive things before I said a negative? Or if I said one negative, can I get eight positives in? The other thing would be is I think there's a lot of power in the first thing you say to your kids. So if you decide that no matter what, the first thing that I say to my kid when I see them, whether that's in the morning or when they get home from school or when they get home from hanging out, is going to be something that is uplifting or positive, whether it's, I'm so glad you're home, um, tell me about your night, or whether it's, oh, I love those shoes with that shirt. Like I would have never thought to put that together. That's darling. Um, or if it's, hey, I got an email from your teacher and she said that you're doing so well in chemistry. That's really exciting. That seems like a hard class. Well done. Um, I think that that can be a really po powerful way to get those positives in if you just you know, kind of force yourself to create that habit. That is another great so what moment that we've already mentioned that as you're listening to this, a great takeaway is the first thing I say is going to be positive because it might be hard to keep track of a lot of other things, but you can train yourself to do that. Like you said, when they walk in the door, when they come up the stairs from sleeping or whatever it is, I love that that's so actionable. I think that's something we can kind of grab onto. For sure. And I'm going to work on it too. Sometimes I need a more actionable <laughs> way to do it. So I know. Well, that's the great thing about being in these businesses is that you just get a front row seat to living a better life and it keeps you really accountable too. So I'm right there with <laughs> so you. So true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> okay. So if you visit, if any listener visits your website, they're going to see so many fun resources. You've written some books. 
I love all your lists. I think that's where I first met you. I I think a bunch of us were talking about what do you get teenagers stocking stuffers and just girls are pretty easy because you know you've got lotion and makeup and hair things and but the boys what do you get the boys and I came across one of your Christmas lists and that was a gold mine and you've got all kinds of awesome lists on your website so I'd encourage listeners to go check that out uh, tell us what you're leaving us with today links that we'll put in the show notes of great uh, resources that people can get from you to kind of help them with the holidays and you know, the rest of their life with their teenagers? Well, we are going to put a couple links in. One is to get all of the gift lists. And like you said, we've got it for screen-free gift lists for boys, um, teen boys, teen girls, stocking stuffers for boys, women, men, all kinds of gift lists that will just really simplify the holiday shopping, which I think is really important. Less time online, figuring it out and some tried and true things that work. For teenagers. Um, we are also going to give a link to some great Christmas ideas with teens. Sometimes it's hard to transition those traditions and know, so what do teens even want to do? Like no one wants to do what we used to do. And sometimes they still do. There's some nostalgia that's really fun. Um, but if you're looking to add something in that might be a little more teen focused, we're going to give a link to a little printable that will help with that. And then the last one is I have um, 75 would you rather questions for teens. And so if you are doing family parties or teen get togethers, or if you just want something to like break up the dinner conversation into something that's more fun, or if you're taking a road trip during the holidays, these are a fun way to create some connection in your family. I love that. That's going to be, that was the first thing I thought of is in the car on those road trips. Everybody wants to pull their phone out and that's such an easy out, but what a great way to have some fun conversation with the kids. Well, this has just been delightful. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and experience with us and so many actionable takeaways. Um, it's just really been fun to get to know you and to talk about all of these great things. Well, thank you for inspiring me to live a little more intentional and organized life. <laughs> well, we're good for each other, aren't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, Brooke. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny.